Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. There will be no death by inches. This is the Broncos Daily Podcast with Brandon Crystal. I want everything. I want all the meatballs and the pasta, you know? Normally I do an intro and then I get to the guest, but on this special occasion, on the eve of Martin Luther King Day, which is its own special occasion in and of itself, I had this grand plan as myself, Ryan Edwards, Benjamin Albright were driving from New Orleans to Mobile that we were going to do a mobile podcast on our way to Mobile. I had technical difficulties. It turned out to just be me being an idiot, not realizing we could record the way I was trying, plus Ben was taking a nap, and we were keeping track of uh, everything going on in the NFL. So we will just do this podcast now here as we've arrived in Mobile on the heels of Championship Sunday with two games that were entertaining, but I wouldn't call either of them really good games. So the Niners and Chiefs are headed to the Super Bowl. Those were my predictions. I know Ben's reeling a bit from his pal Ryan Tannehill, the Tana Goat, coming up short. Uh, and so let's start there. First game's first. What jumped out to you most, Ben, about Titans coming up short in KC? Well, I actually picked the Chiefs. I, my head said Chiefs. My heart said Tennessee in that one. But uh, what came up was the fourth and four. The Tennessee had the opportunity to go for it for. They passed on it, and it was all downhill from there. It was it was a straight-up bloodbath from there, and that's what happens. In Kansas City, you can't let them get momentum. You can't let them stop you and continue to roll. I understand being that deep in your own territory and, and kind of not wanting to do that. But you get in the third quarter, you have an opportunity to put drives together. You're not going to stop Kansas City back-to-back drives. It doesn't happen. So uh, if you've stopped them on your previous drive, you've got to be aggressive on the next one and try to get points, trade them punch for punch. And San Francisco is going to have to figure that out. Uh, Tennessee's a very good defense. So it's not like they, you know, it's not like they went up against a bad defense. You, you have to you have to hold Kansas City under 30 to have a prayer to win, period. And uh, if you're not able to do that, uh, then you're not going to. Tennessee wasn't able to do that. Well, I think the thing that jumps out immediately is what the Chiefs were able to do with Derrick Henry. Uh, 19 carries for 69 yards is just simply not getting it done. If you're Tennessee and your expectations are to win this game, I mean, if if Derrick Henry was able to run all over the Chiefs like he had through the first couple of games of the postseason, then yeah, I, I think that they had a really good shot in this one. They were up 17-7 uh, there in the second quarter. But, uh, you know, in, in the end, the Chiefs, as you put it, they just have too much firepower when you get to a point in the game. And, and I and I agree with you. We're sitting there watching the game, and there was that moment where they're in plus territory. They punt the ball, and you just say, you know what, that, that was a moment right there where you needed to stay aggressive. You needed to take advantage of the opportunity, and you were trailing at that point. So you wondered, though, certain things kind of break a couple different ways at the end of the game. You know, the Chiefs got the benefit of a pretty good P.I. call that, really look kind of pretty ticky-tack. Uh, may have given the Titans some opportunities, but in the end, the, the Chiefs firepower, and they, they play good enough defense in the end to win this one. And so you look at the Chiefs, and last year they had, obviously, maybe even a better look to get to the Super Bowl, and 
came up short. We know that the Pats went in there, and, and obviously the rest is history. But it felt inevitable at that point, and Patrick Mahomes putting up a 50-touchdown season and an MVP kind of year, his first year as a full-time starter, that this is going to be something the Broncos are going to have to deal with. Sure, he could be on a Dan Marino-like career path where he puts up a million yards but only goes to one Super Bowl. Nonetheless, in his second year as a full-time starter, Patrick Mahomes is in the Super Bowl with obviously a great chance to win. You're in the game. You're a one-point favorite in Vegas. And Broncos country, I think, has been wrapping their mind around the idea that Patrick Mahomes is going to be the hurdle you have to get over year after year. Is there any surprise at all? Or I guess if we were going to predict now, Ryan, how many times are we going to see this? It's it's This doesn't feel like... They probably thought that in 1984 with Dan Marino, that, hey, we're going to see him in five Super Bowls as well. And then, of course, we saw Elway in five Super Bowls. But that we're going to see Patrick Mahomes vying for Super Bowls a fair amount, whether Broncos country likes it or not. I, I mean, in the end, we you know, not to sound too cliche, but we know it's very hard to get to the Super Bowl. I mean, it doesn't it's not just about the quarterback. You have to have a lot of things working for you, and this might end up being one of the most talented teams that, that Patrick Mahomes plays on. You just don't really know due to injuries, due to free agency, guys leaving, uh, what you know, draft future draft picks end up doing. I mean, there's there's a multitude of reasons, and you know, just like I do, when your team goes to the Super Bowl, that's usually the team that gets picked apart by other teams, including including coordinators, et cetera. So, yeah, I mean, you're looking at the talent level of Patrick Mahomes and you say, absolutely, this is a team that on paper is going to be a favorite to come out of the AFC, especially since the AFC has been kind of weak over the past several years. But at the same time, this isn't like the AFC East with the Patriots. The AFC West looks like a little bit more of a challenge. So that's where I guess Broncos fans can feel a little bit more confident is this division is a much tougher it's not going to be like the Patriots who have owned that division, the AFC East now for the past two decades. The AFC West proves a little bit more daunting. I think there's a synergy or an irony a little bit to this because the road goes back through Kansas City, whereas if you were a Kansas City fan coming up in the, the late 80s and the 90s, uh, the road came through Denver. You know, uh, you, you had to go through Elway. And so uh, I think it's interesting. There's some, some parallels. It didn't matter what the Chiefs did, whether they loaded up on defense with Derek Thomas and Neil Smith and Dan Saliamu and those guys, or whether they added offensive players like Marcus Allen and Joe Montana. It just didn't seem to matter. The, the road still, still went through Denver. And so, you know, I think Denver fans are kind of getting a taste of that. Uh, you know, and so it's going to be interesting. I think they've got an exciting young offense, a lot of, a lot of talent, a lot of position players that I think are going to be good. But, uh, yeah, the, the road goes through Mahomes. Make no, make no mistake about it. You're one, one D Ford offsides away from being back-to-back Super Bowl player, Pat Mahomes. But, you know, that even that is an example, like, because remember the Seahawks were one play away from being back-to-back Super Bowl champions. It, it, it is so difficult, and in, in the Seahawks have not been back to the Super Bowl since. And for the Chiefs, it's been 50 years that they've gotten this opportunity. So it's just like like those kinds of breaks, though, yes, you, you point them out in hindsight saying, I mean, clearly if D Ford was onside, they're, they're going to the Super Bowl in back-to-back years. But at the same time, it's just an acknowledgement that in the end, just to be back in this spot does not necessarily a guarantee every year. When I look at the Chiefs, though, and there were a lot of people Super Bowl pick, including Ben's, uh, he pointed out a tweet that he, I think, s- sent in September. Uh, where you had Vikes Chiefs, so you're 50% right, and that's still pretty darn good considering how many teams there are in, in uh, obviously 16 teams in, <laughs> in both leagues. Uh, but when I look at where the Chiefs were all banged up, losing to Houston at home, coming to Denver, Patrick Mahomes gets even more banged up, and looking at how porous their run defense was, and then the way the game started Sunday with the Titans, you thought, okay, Derrick Henry's about to go for 200 yards again. He went for 188 the first time around. 
even though Spagnuolo's defense been playing better, you're like, that's going to be their Achilles heel. No matter how good this offense is, the defense just may not be able to get it done. But they were able to shore up what they needed to shore up and keep Derrick Henry well under 100 yards, just 69 yards on, what, 19 carries. And their defense, I think, is as much as I think a lot of us will make a case for the Niners, and we'll get to the Niners here in a second, the Chiefs' defense and what Steve Spagnuolo's been able to do is what's going to allow them, if they do end up hoisting the Lombardi two weeks uh, from Sunday, it'll be because of the defense, not just because of the offense, which we know will put up some sort of points, even against a good Niners defense. Yeah, uh, a couple of different things here. First of all, Henry, the thing about Derrick Henry is actually most of his yardage comes after they've accumulated the lead. Most of his yardage comes in the third and fourth quarter. Well, they were behind, playing from behind, so that's still a, a pretty decent total for him. It's well below average and, and pace and all that kind of stuff, but that's still 69 yards is still a decent total. I, I think that with Kansas City, when you're looking at this, it's nothing's insurmountable. Third and 22, doesn't matter. Down 24 points to the Texans, doesn't matter. Down 10 points to the Titans, doesn't matter. Uh, at the end of the day, they've, the, the margins for them are so much wider than they are for everybody else because of what they have on offense that it's that much more difficult to beat them. And I, I don't want to sit, you know, sit here and say the Chiefs are unstoppable. They're not, but, but they're tough. They're very, very tough. You've got to play sound, disciplined football. You've got to execute perfectly, and you've got to score points when you can. And uh, the Niners are a team that matches up well with them. You know, they really do. Uh, Joe Woods, the, the, the secondary coach there and future Browns defensive coordinator, um, has uh, – uh, has seen the Chiefs a lot. He's played them tough before. Uh, I think that they're set up there. And then Kyle Shanahan does a great job of, you know, mi- mixing in quick strike drives with milk the clock drives. And I think that that's going to help them. I, I think it's going to be a tighter game than people think. I think the line's going to open it. What did we say? I said it was going to be one or two. You said you saw something where it opened at one. So mm-hmm. that, uh, that, that bodes well. What I find interesting about both these teams also is they're, they're not teams that make a ton of a ton of mistakes, really. Uh, Patrick Mahomes doesn't throw a lot of interceptions. You notice tonight with the 49ers, they didn't really have many penalties. Uh, the, the, that's what also makes them kind of tough for, for both these teams that, you know, you're taking a look at the Super Bowl matchup. They're not going to – they don't really give you a lot. Uh, tonight with the 49ers, I know we'll transition in here in a second, but, I mean, if they can run the ball like that, just like we talked about with the Titans coming in today, if they can run the ball effectively, it, I mean, it's kind of tough. If you play good defense and you run the ball, you're going to win most of these games in the postseason because it's a different kind of game. But the, the Chiefs, with a high-powered offense and enough from their defense, there's no question that they could absolutely win this thing. It's just one of those things that, that historically we've, we've often looked at these high-powered offenses and said, man, if the defense can't play sound, it doesn't really matter how good offense. But the Chiefs may buck that trend. Well, so you, you started to get to the Niners, and we'll look at that game now. And something I threw out on Twitter was, for most of the Broncos fans, and we can use one of Benjamin's best friend, our, our pal Mario, uh, Jedi of the human body at Mario Vitanzi on Twitter, I believe, is his Twitter handle. He's like, He was one of many that I saw. If you're a real Broncos fan, you can't cheer for the Chiefs. And that is totally understandable. But I threw out there that on the other side, the Niners seem easy to cheer for, unless for some reason you just don't like the Niners for whatever reason, because Kyle Shanahan certainly deep ties to the Broncos. Plenty of people think he should be the Broncos head coach. John Lynch is a Broncos ring of famer. Emmanuel Sanders helped you win a Super Bowl and had – some really good years in Denver. Wes Welker is their wide receivers coach. Bobby Turner is their running backs coach. You may not like Joe Woods, whatever. He was still a part of their staff over a bunch of years and helped them win a Super Bowl, as well as a secondary coach there. Plus, John Embry, 
people still have an affinity for John Embry, the football player, even if they didn't love his time at CU as a coach, and his son Taylor also on the staff. And you look at all of those pieces, Ben Garland, uh, a Colorado kid, former Bronco, he has a chance to, to win a Super Bowl with the Niners after going there with Atlanta and Kyle Shanahan a few years ago. So with the Niners, they seem easy to cheer for. So before we actually break the game down, if you have to take a side, and that's sort of the nature of, of fanship, and it's not your team, I can't imagine too many folks in Broncos country are in a hurry to see the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes hoist a Lombardi. The way I look at it is different. I, I'm and I'm I'm just and some people are going to say that's because I came up a KC fan that this, you know this going to be a little different. But the way I look at it, it wouldn't matter who it was. I would say that you hope your division rival hoists it because you want to go through them next year. You want to take that back from them. Okay, you guys got it. Fair enough. You guys got your Super Bowl. Now we're going to come take it from you. And I, that's that's the competitor in me. That's just the way I look at it. But other people look at that differently. Like never allow your rival to ever win anything ever. But couldn't you take it from them as the AFC champ and your AFC West champ? That You can still take that from them and laugh at them because the Broncos certainly have scoreboard right now over the Chiefs. It's been 50 years since they even got there, and the eight appearances, the three wins compared to that one in Super Bowl Four. So I, I'm not saying you're wrong, but the idea that you're going to cheer for the Chiefs seems, I think, hard for Broncos country to wrap their minds around. Right, and there's the obvious connections with all the coaches over there. So, so I think you're probably going to see – you're probably right. You're probably going to see most Broncos fans be for the Niners. But I, I've never felt like rooting against a division rival. To me, I hope they win every game except the ones they play us. You know, that, that's always the way I was. It's, it's like – it's the old SEC adage. You know, like everybody went, why is, the SEC, why is Vanderbilt rooting for Bama? It's like you root for, you root for them because when you play them, you want to play the best and you want to beat the best. That's just the way it always has been for me. But to me, that's kind of the, the best example. And James Palmer and I have talked about that a bunch. And he used to work in Atlanta and, and cover the SEC. The idea that it just means more, right, which is his own kind of silly thing. Fine. It may, it may be the case. And we're in the heart of SEC country. So, Ryan, I guess I'll throw it to you before we even um, get back to Ben and let him chime in about his SEC. But the idea that you as a Vanderbilt grad or a Kentucky grad or even a Florida grad are stoked for Alabama year after year or LSU this year. I just have a hard time wrapping my mind around the idea that your rival, being in the, especially everybody that's looking up at Alabama, are Auburn fans cheering for Alabama. So the SEC says they got a title over Ohio State or Oregon or, you know, name that team. That seems Texas. That seems almost implausible that Auburn fans are going to cheer for Alabama fans so that the title stays in the SEC because you didn't win it. Your school didn't win it. Someone else's school did. Yeah, I'm not with this one i'm well, sorry no I, look and I, we've talked about where that started before uh, absolutely the sec and, was one of the first revenue shares and that's where that happened is if you got it you did get a piece of the title because you got some of the money but i i as much as i respect your mind of a competitor and, and all of that I, I think that's a bunch of baloney oh grade a baloney so good baloney yeah so <laughs> or as uh, our guy may says bull plop L listen <laughs> listen it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Uh, no, Broncos fans in, in every right should not be rooting for the Chiefs. No, nobody should be rooting for the Chiefs if you listen to this podcast. Uh, in the end, we had a, a 
short conversation, a very short conversation on our show, Broncos Country, tonight about about the what is the perceived greatness of Patrick Mahomes and what the future could hold, and maybe you should take a moment to appreciate that. And we got, I mean, thoroughly booed, if we could, on the via the text line. Mo- most people very much hated that conversation and, and any part of what we tried to sell there. So I, I'm going to say a resounding is, no, they're going to root for this. But what you can expect now over the next two weeks – from Hot Take Radio, as Ben also likes to talk about, mm-hmm. is how much the Broncos missed on that opportunity to take get Kyle Shanahan in here a few years ago instead of Vance Joseph. And and this gives more fuel to that fire. Well, I feel like the texters and the text line the listeners, I feel like I didn't do a good enough job selling that. So let me, let me take one more run at it here, try to craft one more argument about why you'd like to see the Kansas City win. But wouldn't why? You like to, wouldn't you like for Pat Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs to be a great football team but the one thing they couldn't solve was the Denver Broncos. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be even sweeter every year? I think they're already there. Wouldn't that? Be, but well, they they have solved. Except the for the Broncos, except, <laughs> except with, say, with the exception. But they're already. I'm, I'm saying they're already a great team. They're yes, already a great, they are team. a great team. The only difference is the wouldn't Broncos you, haven't solved right, them but yet. Wouldn't, so wouldn't you like them to maintain being a great team? Except that the one thing they can't solve is the Denver Broncos. You're the one team that can beat them. Wouldn't that be even better? I like the one thing that they can't solve is the Super Bowl. Yeah, I was going to go right there with Ryan. The one thing you can't. The one thing you can't solve is a Super Bowl. And so every time you walk into the UCL training center, you see three Lombardis, and you know that when you go into Arrowhead and into their offices, the only thing they have is that one Lombardi from Super Bowl Four. So now let's look at the Niners here uh, before we preview the, the Senior Bowl. What a day by Raheem Mostert, a guy that was a late-round pick, uh, if not even undrafted a couple of years ago, really, really fast, 4-3-2, but was just a returner who has evolved into a really good back. Last week, Tevin Coleman was the workhorse. Coleman goes down Sunday against the Packers, and it is all Mostert. But that 220 yards, four touchdowns, I mean, that's an entire playoff in a four-game run for a wildcard team that makes it to the Super Bowl. A running back might have that, or over three games if they have a bye. And Mostert did it all in one day. And then you look at the defense, able to make Aaron Rodgers' life difficult, only 20 points there. He did throw for 326 yards. He was picked twice for a guy that only threw, I think, six all season. He had two touchdowns to match it. On the ground, Aaron Jones could never really get going. 56 yards, and and Rodgers was sacked three times. How good is this Niners team? Because both they and the Chiefs feel like they're a little incomplete at at times. And Garoppolo really didn't have to do anything. I think that had to be an all-time low, six of eight. For just 75, 77 yards and sacked once. He, didn't, he set a 104 quarterback rating, but Ryan didn't have to do anything. No, and, and in the end, that's totally fine. I mean, that that's what you want to be able to do. You, know, you want to be able to beat teams in the playoffs any way you want to. We were talking about the same thing with Ryan Tannehill and some of his numbers he put up over the first two games, and people were like, oh, there's no way they could beat the Chiefs. Well, there's some truth to that, but in part because Derrick Henry wasn't able to do what he wanted to do like he was against the Ravens and the Patriots. thing about the, the Titans is you knew exactly how they were going to attack you. The 49ers have more variability. They, they have more options to beat you. They, they can beat you with Jimmy Garoppolo. They can beat you, obviously, with their ground game and the creativity that they put together. In the end, and we said this on Broncos Country tonight, the 49ers are the most complete team left in the playoffs. And, and it, it stands in even here against the Chiefs. They are the most complete team. Their defensive line has played spectacular football. Their coverage has been unbelievable. I, I really don't have too many flaws. Like when I look at the 49ers, usually there's a fatal flaw for every team. The 49ers are one of those teams that say, well, maybe if Jimmy Garoppolo has a bad game, and he's definitely known to have a couple of those, but he only had a couple. But if he does have a bad game, that could end up leading to it. But I just don't know if Kyle Shanahan's going to put him in position to have a bad game. 
Well, yeah, um, I would say that you're probably right. San Francisco is the more complete team. Kansas City is the better offense. Um, the, the the Niners' offense, you, you can solve it. It's it, it, it's off the wide zone. They, they're so creative with the run. You know, Kyle Shanahan is to the run game what Andy Reid is to the pass game. But you can if you can shut the run or contain the run, then you and you force them to pass. They're not good. Um, the, Jimmy Garoppolo is uh, to be charitable, aggressively mediocre. Um, but he's had some good, he's had he's, some good games had some this year. Decent games, yeah, but you can force him into situations, and he will turn the ball over. Yeah. He does so that not, I mean, that's the game plan is right. to force them it's, to pass. But if it were that easy, everybody would do it. You right. know, everybody would have been able yeah, to do it already. Fourteen wins. I, I, something and the that's Super Bowl. tangential here is this staff, this coaching staff for the Niners is essentially the staff from the Houston Texans from 06 to 08. How did they miss that window? <laughs> you had at the time a Matt Schaub, who was one of the top passers in the league, Andre Johnson, uh, a spate of running backs that came through, Aaron Foster, Foster and all, all those other guys that, that he ran with at that, at that point in time. And oh, by the way, that defense wasn't anything to sneeze at either. Uh, and they, it feels like Houston kind of missed their window, um, you, you know, back to hindsight's twenty twenty. But, you know, it's, it's interesting of note to me, football historian me. But, you know, if it were easy to solve either one of these offenses, somebody would be able to do it. And the reality is Kansas City has scored less than 23 points exactly one time in Pat Mahomes' career, and that was the Colts, where he came back in his first game off the, off the knee injury. Um, and if it were easy to shut the Niners' run down, one of these defenses would have done it already. So it's going to be interesting for me to see the immovable force, the unstoppable, um, you know, unstoppable force, immovable object. Which which one gets slowed down, or if this becomes a punch counterpunch? You remember, I think it was 03-04 season when the Peyton Manning Colts took on the then Dick Vermeil coach Trent Green led Kansas City Chiefs in that playoff game. Kansas City kicked that one field goal and all of a sudden realized that it couldn't afford to kick field goals anymore and they just trade punch counterpunch and couldn't keep up uh, for the rest of the game. So I'm kind of hoping for a Super Bowl like that. I, I'm one of those guys who likes a defensive slugfest, but I'm hoping for an offensive explosion of creativity in this one. certainly would be a little bit of a counter to that Rams-Patriots defensive slugfest, wouldn't it? All right, so we're here in Mobile because I'll get your Super Bowl picks later in the week. Uh, but we're here in Mobile, and we're here for the Senior Bowl. So it's the third year in a row for you and I, Ryan. Ben, I don't know how many this is for you, a lot more than, than three, uh, as you're closing in on double digits, 10, 11, something like that. And you look at the roster, Christian Fulton is somebody that jumps out. We talk about just from a Broncos country perspective, he's got a first-round grade, middle-of-the-first-round uh, kind of grade, cornerback at LSU, and probably would – have a little more attention if he didn't play opposite of, of uh, Stingley, the freshman who was so outstanding there, and have Grant Delpit behind him. I mean, obviously, pros all over the place for LSU. So he's somebody Broncos fans need to keep an eye on. I know, Ryan, the defensive lineman, uh, Javon Kinlaw from South Carolina, is a guy you like at 15, especially because the Broncos have so much uncertainty. They'll have a little more certainty by the time the draft rolls around, knowing where they are with guys like Derek Wolf, Shelby Harris, uh, et cetera. Um, Adam Gott says, who I don't expect back necessarily. Uh, you know, you're going to build on Draymond Jones. You got some good DeMarcus Walker. But here, there's a lot of me talking to say, all right, you look at, at this roster, even without looking at, at the roster of, of senior bowl players and, and guys that are supposed to be here, who excites you? I know I touched on two of them, and so I'm not trying to steal your thunder. Take me through who excites you. Well, yeah, I mean, Kinlaw is like probably my, my top prospect here, especially if we're talking first rounders. He, he might be the highest drafted guy that's, that's here in Mobile and – He's he's just got a great combination of burst off the line and his speed matched with physicality and power. 
Uh, for me, you sign, let's say, Derek Wolf, and you give him a couple-year contract. You have Draymond Jones. You'll have Mike Purcell. You'll have Demarcus Walker coming back for one more year. But you have to think about this beyond this year and and say Derek Wolf is kind of going to be a year-to-year kind of, kind of guy. Let's just say that for argument's sake, that ends up being the case. You're not going to be in the Shelby Harris sweepstakes. You're going to want to probably go a little bit younger there. And for me, he he's a top two defensive tackle, defensive lineman in this draft. So Javon Kinlaw for me, what, what I think more than anything, and, and this is something we'll get a chance to talk about over the course of this week, is that you just want to see how these guys do against other NFL talent. These are first, second, third round guys, somewhere maybe early day three guys in, in the mix here. Some guys are trying to move their stock up just a little bit. But in the end, that, that's what you're trying to see. You're trying to see how they do against premier NFL talent and so for me I'm hoping a guy like Ken Law can really impress in this setting I love the senior bowl because it's a great cross-check opportunity you know you can look at the tape and you say okay uh this guy at LSU dominated picking on this school you know these kids over here at Vanderbilt but you get the guy against LSU and the other guy you like let's say it's a kid from Utah and you, you get to put him on the same field at the same time put him up against the same receivers and see how they do and to me that creates a baseline and an ideal cross-check type environment you also get to see how these guys interact, new teammates, you know. Maybe they're comfortable at home. You, you take them out of that home environment, drop them in at a place where they're having to practice with their peers. Um, and which ones are competitors? Which, which guys are alphas? Which guys are, are, are not? You know, which, which guys you putting out there are saying, hey, this is my job, come take it. And which guys are like, well, I'm just, you know, I'm just here to learn and, and you know, that kind of thing. Who, who's, who's aggressive? I want that. Give, give me that guy that's aggressive learner, wants a job, wants to take the job, who's always a competitor. Give me that guy. And so it gives me a chance to kind of see that up close and personal. Um, and so that's, that's why I love this. As far as people to keep your eye on, I mean, we've all talked about Christian Fulton. Uh, I did talk about Terrell Burgess, the, the, the DB from Utah. Um, Michael Pittman Jr., really interested in seeing him. Jordan Love, Utah State. Um, and then the, the, the offensive line, quite a good, this is going to be a big offensive line senior bowl for me. Hadn't been for a couple of years, but for me, this is going to be a big offensive line senior bowl. Uh, the kid out of St. John's, a D3 tackle, uh, Ben Barch, going to be a, keeping an eye on him, seeing if he's capable maybe even of moving inside to guard. Uh, I think he would be a great fit for the Denver Broncos. What's cool about the senior bowl, and I remember last year, because you guys talked about it on your show on Orange and Blue 760, uh, kind of throughout the spring, even, but after it happened was, Watching Terry McLaurin and Rocky Sin, two guys that I know you liked, Ryan, helping each other out and talking in drills, trying to make each other better, knowing that they weren't necessarily affecting each other's draft status. That, oh, I want to go higher than that guy. Obviously, that goes without saying. And we saw both of them have nice rookie years. Now, Rocky Sin had a rough day against the Broncos, but in general, I think he had a pretty good rookie year for the Colts. And we saw Terry McLaurin at times help people win fantasy weeks, especially early on. Uh, but that, that to me is cool, too, is to be able to watch these kids interact. They've only known each other from the Internet and from highlights because they don't play in the same conference and they don't see each other in bowl games. They don't see each other non-conference. So that to me is as fun as anything, too, is just seeing these kids come together and and talk, you know, grow as football players, knowing this is the start of their pre-draft journey because then you see them at the combine and then you see them at their pro days and you see them draft weekend. And, and so it, this to me is fun because of the start of that. I completely agree, and that's that's the the beauty of these setups is is you're all on the same team. I mean, it's the north and south teams, but they're all on the same team for a moment, 
and some of these guys are, are meeting for the first time. Some of them uh, have known each other for a little while, depending on what teams and conferences they played in. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's 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 exciting in that respect. And and again, most generally, these guys kind of know where they're pegged early on in this process. So like Terry McLaurin ended up being a third rounder. Rakesson was a second rounder, but you're, you're both day two picks and the, you know, the opportunities to, to, to work on, on some fundamentals to work with the coaching staff. I found that was, you know, when we came out here a couple of years ago and the Broncos were the coaching staff out here with Vance Joseph, that was one of the things that was really fun to talk to the players about is their experience with NFL coaches. Some of them, this is the first time they've had a chance to really work with NFL coaches and, and how valuable that was as it relates to their learning process. And not just that, picking up verbiage. NFL right. verbiage a lot. And in college football, your typical offensive playbook in college has somewhere between 18 and 30 plays total. You're going to use the number system. You're going to use the uh, – I know you guys have all seen the funny pictures, the Chip Kelly, the grid system, that they use the check with me's on the uh, uh, on the sideline. But the reality is, you know, most of these guys have, have only had to memorize about 30 plays, you know. And so you're going to get uh, a whole different set, NFL verbiage. Um, and it's, it's just – it's wildly – different when you have to call in a play using John Gruden's old throwback Bill Walsh West Coast verbiage than it is using uh, the number system that they're using in college now. I remember uh, speaking of John Gruden, the quarterback school where it was Cam Newton, I believe, and they was like, what do you call that play? He was like, red or whatever, <laughs> right? It was something like that. It was just one word, which is efficient. Uh, we know the NFL, while it may be about efficiency in a lot of areas, play verbiage uh, play calling verbiage certainly uh it is not guys thanks for the time this would have been fun to do in the car we couldn't make that work but we're here in mobile it's gonna be a really fun week monday afternoon before broncos country tonight we're all sitting in hosting big alan jojo show so anybody that's listening to this before three o'clock mountain time make sure you tune in for that and then of course broncos country tonight all week long monday through thursday live from the Senior Bowl here in Mobile uh, with a cast of thousands. Talk to all the big prospects. You guys are going to have a bunch of guys on and obviously people related to the Senior Bowl. Uh, and then we'll be bringing you Broncos Daily Podcast content as well. I'm not going to bug you guys much more. Uh, I may just have you sneak on for your Super Bowl picks and I'll save them for next week maybe. So uh, thanks for the time. Make sure you check us out uh, on Big Allen JoJo's show on Twitter at AllBrightNFL, at R. Edwards Radio, at BK Denver Sports. Uh, and now we're going to go see what Mobile has to offer on a late Sunday night. Uh, so thanks for listening, and we will catch you on the Tuesday edition of the Broncos Daily Podcast. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.